my name's Sylvester McCoy. I played Doctor Who. <laughs> Number seven. Yes, a long time ago. Anyway, you're listening to Neil. No, you're not. Listen to me. Anyway, you might be soon listening to Neil. Podding. Whatever that is. Neil Before Blog presents... Neil Before Pod. My name is Craig McKenzie, and in the year 2017, I host a podcast talking about nerdy things. To help me do this, I recruited a team to help me with my rambling. We span the entirety of the film TV continuum to find topics to discuss. Please don't call us losers. We prefer the term Neil Before Pod. So joining me, he's not supposed to exist. Uh, he's a time remnant or a temporal aberration or whatever they want to call them. Hi, Chris. Hello. How does it feel to know that you should never have existed? Well, you know, I was, I'm kind of safe in the knowledge that everything I do will be erased after this. So, you know, it's kind of liberating. That's good. You can say what you want and offend everybody and then it will never exist. And who knows what this podcast will be replaced with. It'll be something worth listening to. Well, I don't know. Let's not hold our breath too much. <laughs> yeah, um, miracles don't quite happen like that. <laughs> yeah. So, how are you, other than being... I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I have had a busy birthday week at the time of recording. It is the family birthday and wedding anniversary week. I know every family has them where so I have lots of birthdays and everything all line up. So uh, I have been out a couple of nights on the bounce. So I've now got a lovely husky voice and a very tired head. Well, I think I'm starting to catch my flatmates cold, so that's great. Ah, lemon sip and cream of chicken soup will cure all ills. Mm. Not in the same bowl. Ship's doctor here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I prescribe cream of chicken soup. Yes. I will get right on that. <laughs> so, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, another show that we watch. We're flying through the DC universe, the DC multiverse, and now we're here to the the really silly one. Yeah, S- silly and fun. That's about how I would describe season two. Like, season one had the potential to be silly and fun, but it got caught up in all this love triangle nonsense and crappy villain nonsense. But this season fixed all that by having none of those. Yeah, I mean, they they managed to, well, basically clear the slate at the end of season one. Um, So, you you know, they had the chance to bring something new and they seem to have taken a lot of the things that we disliked about the first season and just went, right, we're not going to do any of that. And brought in, you know, a a better set of villains. And, um, yeah, and brought in uh, better characters, really, in, in the main team. Changed the lineup. Yeah, a little bit, although I mean, we'll get onto it, but Nate's a bit of a damp squib. Um, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, I think he, he, he got better, um, yeah. I think, um, without going into the spoiler area. I think he improved towards the end. I think up to the mid-season he was a bit nippy and then towards the end uh, I was a little bit more impressed with him. They seemed to sort out what looked like it was going to be a potentially really annoying love triangle thing again. Seemed to be resolved. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, much improved. Um, If there was an award ceremony it would be most improved they would get. I like that we should hold some form of Neil before BAFTAs. Neil before BAFTAs. Well, we could be running out of things to talk about in November, <laughs> December time, so we might, you know. Well, best best of year, best improved, worst 
in, worst improved? Worst improved. Worstest improved. <laughs> uh, the, the category uh, allocation is ongoing, listeners. Ongoing, yeah. <laughs> there will be a discussion about it before we unveil it to the public. Uh, yeah, probably on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. There'll be an argument. It'll be ugly. Yeah. I'll edit it all out so it never happened. Yeah, just wait until you see the fight over who gets awarded everything. It'll be uh, <laughs> epic. Yeah, completely epic. <laughs> um, so, you've given some brief spoiler-free thoughts. Uh, do you have any more spoiler-free thoughts, really? Uh, no, just that I, I actually quite enjoyed it. It was, it was a little bit of uh, light relief amongst uh, some of the other shows. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, same. I had fun with it. Uh, I was watching it early in the morning over The Flash by the end because it was, you know, something I was enjoying, whereas The Flash was not, as you can hear on the other podcast, where we just criticise The Flash for like an hour. Yes, if you time travel and go back a couple of episodes, you can hear us ripping into The Flash. Or just, you know, select it on the list um, on whatever app you're using or go to the webpage. That wouldn't be be as fun. You don't need to time travel all the time. Yeah. And if if you if you want to have uh, real fun, uh, rename your uh, Alexa smart speaker to Gideon. A lot more fun. Just oh, saying. Can you rename that. That's you can rename question. it. Yeah, you can also make it respond to computer if you want to be Star Trekky. Uh, can't do that with uh, with with Google. Unfortunately, at least not that I know of. Ah, uh, we can try. Yeah. Next update. Anyway, this <laughs> is like technical technology podcast that's not so are you going to ask uh, Gideon to take us into the spoiler section then <laughs> yes uh, Gideon take us to the spoiler section please do not make me do that I don't know there's got to be a clip of her saying like okay or something I'll be like a yes it'll be a yes captain or something <laughs> yeah. along those lines and then you can fire a sound effect at the yeah. end of it and, and we yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> very well captain here we are, in spoilers. Thank you, Gideon. Cheers, uh, Gideon. They have no recourse but to follow the captain's orders. Okay, so let's start... I know the, the first agenda item I put is the good, but let's switch it off and be more positive later. So let's start with the bad. What did you not like about season two? Um, I, I thought some of the team didn't quite get the same focus as the others. I, I quite liked Jax in season one. Uh, as much as there were elements I didn't like and he didn't seem to get much attention in this season um, so that kind of annoyed me a little bit um, some of it felt a little bit bloated There could have been it could have been shorter I think there's a couple of episodes that you could have condensed or cut out or you know sort of combined together to um, to make it a bit flow a bit better uh, for want of a better word but I, generally overall I, I, I kind of enjoyed it I think one day I'm going to get a supercut of all the times you say that something's could have been shorter. or It could have been shorter, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people say that at the end of these podcasts. Um, <laughs> if, if you cut out that guy and saying that things could be a lot shorter, then this podcast would be a lot shorter. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of feel it was a bit overlong. I, it is a theme for me because I always feel that they get told, right, it needs to be 18 episodes long so that it takes us up to this particular point in our TV schedule. And then the writers are like, oh my God, how the hell are we going to string this out for 18? We only wrote 12. 
and then you end up yeah. with uh, you know you end up with filler and stuff getting stretched out. Um, that's my feeling anyway. I don't know how, what what did you think? Do you think this was over long, or do you think it was actually right length? Um, I would say roughly eighteen episodes. Um, or it's only seventeen actually. Uh, seventeen episodes was all right. I mean, it's five episodes shorter than the others, um, which is which is promising enough. Yes. Um, so the, they've already got less time there. Um, there's probably, I mean, there's always stuff that I'm not going to enjoy as much as others. Um, the episode with uh, the episode with Jonah Hex, for instance, I could have done without that. Just like in season one, they're just not using him very well. I just think those episodes are rubbish. The western ones because it's just. I mean, I don't really watch westerns because I don't really like westerns, but they're everything I don't like about westerns. So, <laughs> you know, then I'm just... I suppose I'm biased in the sense that I'm never going to watch it. Uh, I'm never going to enjoy it, sorry. It's like a Doctor Who episode of it, Pirates. You know, it's not a fair assessment of whether I enjoy Doctor Who, it's just I don't like Pirates. So, um, uh, the Pirate episode will be next season, won't it? <laughs> it must well, be incoming soon. Pirates in season one, so they'll do, like... Yeah. They'll do Pirates of the... Time streamers, I don't know. Uh, if they if they're listening and they've just taken that as an idea, I want royalties. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought the Camelot episode could have done with some work as well. That was a bit weird. The Camelot episode was really really odd, but I did like how they kind of tied some of the well legends into the legends of King Arthur. That was that was kind of neat. You know, when you find out that um, Sarah is Lancelot. Yeah, that was funny. I thought that was quite good fun. And there was a few bits, you know, I always quite like when they do something along the lines of a character saying, well, none of this is real. And then it pretty much follows the line of the person's book. (laughs) Yeah. And there was one thing I definitely didn't like in the finale. It was when Eobard Thawne went through history and got millions of himself, you know, to go on this battlefield, this World War I battlefield. And it's just, there's tons of them. That is a that is a force that shouldn't be possible to defeat. And all they were doing is knocking people over. I mean, they could have had the spear, ran off, and and been and killed them all in the blink of an eye, but they don't. And it's just, it's always that standard one unkillable thing is like is one thing, but a million unkillable things has to be stoppable. Otherwise, yeah, I did I did think that in this, um, you know, Fawn's sort of power set seemed he seemed to be either completely unstoppable or slipping on banana skins uh, the whole time you know it, that that was one of the things that I didn't quite get because you know you've seen in the flash what he's capable of you know what a speedster's capable of so i mean they they managed to get around some of it by saying well he can only spend a certain amount of time before he's got to run off again yeah. but then once they kind of disposed of some of that you're left going well this should be over now this should be just done. Uh, there's also a lot of baddies leaving people alive, explaining the plan and them escaping. Um, but I think that kind of runs along the theme of the show, where the heroes are just as hapless at some points as the villains. So it, you know, kind of evens out in the end. Adds to a bit of the fun. Yeah. Um, it was just a minor niggle. I mean, I was kind of enjoying it, and then I was like, well, there's loads of him, and... He's really fast, and they're not, so why is he not killing them all? Because there would be no show, is the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Because the credits would roll really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, uh, we were just kidding, guys. There is no season three. 
<laughs> Surprise! Someone's well, went back in time and changed it again. Yeah. But other than that, uh, I was kind of on board with most of it. I uh, had a lot of fun with it. Um, the role in the crossover was pretty good. I liked the crossover anyway. It was good fun. Um, and they were the finale of the crossover, so they, they got everything that paid off. So there's that. Um, so on to the good then. What was your favourite stuff? My favourite stuff... Chrissy's favourite things. Um, I liked um, Rory in this. I quite liked how they focused quite a lot on his struggle to um, work with this new family, this new team. Um, you know, how they played with his allegiances quite a lot. You know, whether he was going to stay on the straight and narrow or not. And then they turn around and go, oh, actually, we kind of need you to break some rules in this one because, you know, we can't or we don't have the skill set. So I quite liked that, and also him working with uh, the Atom quite a lot. The sort of fun that the the two of them were having, it was like a weird, wacky partnership that was striking up every once in a while. So that was probably one of my, my favourite bits. Um, what else did I like? Um, I also liked um, getting the White Canary as the captain. And sort of changing that around. I wasn't a big fan um, of Rip Hunter in the first season <laughs> um, I kind of thought it's like oh we've kind of got rubbish Doctor Who so when they sort of cleared rubbish Doctor Who out the way I was like oh actually this is kind of a bit fun there's people that don't quite know what they're doing you know they don't know the rules of what they should be doing they're just kind of stumbling about and making all the <laughs> all the problems <laughs> you know, and they're just making everything worse um, when they turn up so I kind of liked a bit of that and Sort of the team getting used to a new captain and growing with that, I thought, kind of actually played out well. Um, it was one of the things for, you know, for the season length, worked. Um, you know, it didn't seem that they rushed at anything. It didn't seem that they sort of resolved everything quickly just to suit it. it, it they actually played it all out, and, and I liked that. Yeah, and it was uh, when they met the Legion of... Uh, not the Legion, the, the Justice Society of America, and they assumed that, that Stein was in charge because he's an old white guy. <laughs> so they assumed he was the boss, and, and everybody respected and were listening to Sarah, and she had the experience to, you know, to lead people and put people in the right place to assess situations and so on. Uh, whereas he was like useless. Um, she was a yeah, she was a good captain, and I like that it essentially turned her into Captain Kirk. You know, she's travelling to different time periods and seducing women. <laughs> different planets, but that's what she does. You know, it's uh, I don't know. It's a very perverse version of Star Trek we've got here. You know, with uh, time traveling superheroes flying around. Uh, but yeah, she's essentially a Captain Kirk type figure. Um, I do wish to do something a bit more, a bit more interesting with her. You know, with her fluid sexuality though, because they have just played it for laughs this season. You know, every time she goes to. Well, not every time, but there's a few times she goes to a time period and, you know, hooks up with some women that wouldn't, you know, wouldn't necessarily want to hook up with her at the mm. time. Or had been in, like, closeted, because the first episode they had, um, I forget the historical figure, some queen or some princess or something. And then later on it's um, someone in the Camelot place. Uh, it's like Maid Marion or whoever, Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, no, not in Camelot, it wouldn't have been. I don't know, it was someone. I can't remember who it was. 
Uh, Guinevere? No. Yes. Yes. yes Guinevere. That's Guinevere. it. There All we right. go. Getting my different legends mixed up. Yeah. So they could have done something more interesting without done a you know a proper love interest. I remember in season one, one of the stronger things they did with her was, you know, there was that closeted nurse in the fifties. Mm. She made her feel better about her, you know, her feelings and things. Uh, they could have done more of that, which they didn't really do. But they were, you know, they were developing her as a leader, and um, and it's amazing to see Katie Lotz do her, um, you know, her own stunt stuff, especially during the, uh, the samurai episode, Shogun. It was just called, where she was doing all her own stunts, stunts with swordplay and all that stuff. It was really cool to see that. Uh, my f- absolute favorite thing of it was the Legion of Doom episode, though, where you, the legends were stuck in the background and all the villains were, were cutting about doing stuff and, and you got to see them like bickering with each other and uh, I mean Damien Dark, Malcolm Merlin and uh, and Eobard Thawne just mugging off each other was just great to watch and getting a bit of insight into their plan and Thawne's trying to outrun his own non-existence and things like that, that was cool I, l- I love that episode because it did it, it sort of switched it up and focused on the villains and they are such fun characters those yeah um you know especially I've mentioned them in the uh, arrow podcast but you know Malcolm Merlin I always fig- find quite funny just because it's John Barrowman yeah. in the first place Damien Dark just gets played as a proper comic booky uh, mustache twirling if he had one villain uh, which is great just such a serious straight face character and uh fawn in this i think really got kind of fleshed out because you know you didn't you didn't see him that much in flash really because most of the time when it was fawn it was actually sort of tom Cavanaugh. it was it was wells it wasn't fawn so um yeah i i I just the legion of doom was definitely one of my favorite things in this i know we're going to talk about them later so i'll uh, i'll save up for that but uh yeah Definitely, that that episode sort of switched it around a little bit. I, I do like when they when they play with the format like that. Yeah, and funnily enough, that's what I was saying they should do on Flash. Yes, <laughs> give us a new perspective and and it freshens things up and and makes for for some fun times. Because uh, scenery chewing villains always good to watch, and when you watch an entire episode of them doing that, it's just great. And um, yeah, no complaints there. Other things that I liked. Uh, I liked um, I liked Amaya. I thought she was a good character. Um, they were originally apparently going to recruit the original Vixen who appeared in season three of Arrow, also her own animated series. Um, but she was the actress was busy, um, so they went for a grandmother instead. Some other actress who fits the costume, I suppose, um, which was which was good. She was good. I liked the kind of out of time stuff where she was proper old-fashioned and learning the ways of the, well, essentially the 21st century. Um, and she's just so good and all protocol-driven. So I liked how Mick was able to teach her how to be a criminal in the, um, the Chicago episode. That was good. Um, yeah, she was she was a good addition. Nate, as I've mentioned, he got better as he went on. But I think the whole idea was he was a bit of a goober. You know, like, uh, him and... Um, Ray could bounce off each other as being the nerds on the team. But the idea of having a historian who travels through time was... Well, let's be honest, it was done better in Timeless. But it's a good idea. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's other bits and pieces that I kind of like throughout. The, um, 
I just thought it was good fun. I think um, throughout, I just I was more. I was just enjoying what they had to offer. Um, I mean, a cup- punter back worked because it gave him something else to do. I, what I liked about that is they kind of bring him back first, and he's amnesiac. So he's <laughs> like the character reset totally. And I was like, actually, I'm kind of behind this. This is a bit of fun. Then bringing him back is evil. I thought was good. Um, however, the, the only thing about bringing him back evil is he didn't just sort of self-destruct the ship or do anything like that. He seemed to, you know, be, you know, when we were talking about sort of Fawn not being at his full power set, yeah. I don't think uh, he was either. You know, it, it, so it seemed like he took everything very gently, didn't sort of go in all guns blazing, blazing because I can imagine he could have uh, dispatched them out of the ship a lot quicker once he had overridden everything. Yeah, there was a weird part where he says to, um, where he tries to override the thing, and he says, you know, he says to Gideon something to invoke some protocol or whatever. Um, all Sarah would have had to do was say, Gideon, don't listen to this guy, and then she wouldn't have because she's a computer program. Uh, but the episode where they go into Gideon, where they go into um, Rip's mind, and then Gideon's like an attractive woman in his in his fantasy <laughs> was quite funny. Uh, it was just weird seeing the voice come from someone like that. <laughs> it's <was laughs> odd, just very, very odd. Well, it's actually the actress that played. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. You know, you see it and you go, "Oh, so that's what she looks like." <laughs> yeah. Amy Pemberton. Yeah, it's unusual for the CW to keep the attractive people off screen, but you know. <laughs> um. Yeah, so it was all it was all good. Uh, I like the Legion, not the Legion. Uh, why do I keep saying that? The Justice Society of America. Uh, a flaw is they didn't do enough with them so they had one episode and then they had them periodically appear throughout the season I would have liked to see them fully formed as a team more than once yeah they seem to do a lot of sort of meetings and standing about <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, they didn't sort of yeah properly play them out yeah because they all got separated through town through team through time to hide the, the pieces mm. of the spear because there's always, you know, this MacGuffin thing. <laughs> the MacGuffin hunt was quite funny. It was just, it was a pretty normal MacGuffin hunt. We've got these thing. we've got the pieces of this thing that are hidden throughout time. You know, um, one of them's on the moon, one of them's here, one of them's, you know, it's like, uh, why don't you just, I don't know, why don't you just throw them in the sun, into the sun? <laughs> like, you have a spaceship. I, I just, I kind of liked the fact that they had just, the writers had obviously sat and go, where would be a fun place to send everyone? Oh, you know, we'll put one on the moon. Oh, the moon, that'll be a great little episode. Let's put it on the moon. You know, I, I just, I really, really like that. It seems that they just went, you know, where's all these great places that we can hide bits, you know, to justify yeah. them going to all these different time periods. And uh, yeah, I, I like that it wasn't anything too serious. Like you say, it was like a very obvious just MacGuffin hunt. Yeah. But, you know, sort of jazzed up a little with all the places that they were going to and where they had hidden them, you know, putting a bit of the spear inside the flag on the moon, I think is was just a neat little a neat little trick. And we learned that the speed force doesn't work in space. Yes, that I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's weird, as I of of all the uh, things to depower you, uh, space. Yeah. Why aren't I killing you right now? Because yeah, speed force doesn't work in space. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, yeah. Um, I can't think of anything else that jumps out as being like amazing about it, but I don't think it was amazing as such. I just think it was good fun, and yeah, that in itself almost justifies it exist- its existence. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it was good fun. I mean, it isn't stellar. It isn't, you know, 
it isn't Shakespeare, it's just fun. And I think it kind of gets its place in this universe. It's not trying to be too serious, it's not trying to be too jokey, it's just sort of fitting in nicely in a little niche that isn't filled. Um, and because of the format and the way they've done it, it allows them to pull lots of different things in. I mean, a couple of the other sort of little bits that I liked, I liked the, the fact that they rotated the opening narration. Oh, uh, yeah, that was good, yeah. I thought that was good because each of them had a different style. I thought sort of mix one was hilarious, and then even the villains got to do the narration occasionally, which I just thought was a nice, different way of doing it because you're used to at the top of these uh, series hearing the same narration every time, you know. I am the fastest man alive, and you hear it all the time. <laughs> Whereas getting the, the different characters doing it at the top, I thought was pretty neat. Yeah, that, I'd actually all forgotten about that, but now that you say I remember the, the Mick Rory one, the, we kill the time pigs and then we do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Mick is always eating. <laughs> Permanently, yeah. Yeah. So we've, um, yeah, we've touched on characters as it is. Uh, Sarah's arc this season uh, was about becoming, settling into her role as a leader. Well, I don't think there was a, that much settling in for her. I think she naturally fit in that space anyway. She was. You know, she was a natural from from the beginning, but she was giving like tough orders and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think the only time she relented was when uh, Martin revealed that he has a, a daughter that shouldn't exist. Yeah, and she was like, "Well, it's her job to wipe these things out." And then eventually, she comes around to the fact that uh, actually, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit. I mean, I think it was a kind of natural evolution for the character after you've sort of seen her in Arrow as well. So you've got that whole backstory, and it's like, it seems that quite natural that she'd end up sort of leading her own team. Yeah. You know, she's one of the obvious characters from Arrow that could sort of fill Oliver's shoes in a way. Yeah, definitely. And turning into a science fiction captain was... Mm. And it, I mean, could, I could never imagine when she was introduced in season two that this is how she would do yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, time-travelling captain. <laughs> It's like when the um, it's like when they were doing the crossover bit, and the end of ep- the second episode was all the Arrow cast trying to escape from a an alien spaceship, and apparently one of the producers said, "What do you think of our little crime show now?" You know, it's, <laughs> it's almost like that. Um, with you know, with the way that, that Sarah's turned out, or most of the other characters you could see fitting into this like science fiction sphere of influence, but her not so much because of where she came from. You know, this grounded assassin background kind of thing. But yeah, she was good. Um, bounced off the rest of the cast well. Uh, her her working with Amaya was good. I liked it when she was being like mind controlled essentially by the uh, the Legion and the the episode where they rewrote reality and they were like going around hunting people. That was quite cool. Uh, see, that was another episode that I liked just because it sort of changed the format. Everyone got to play a slightly different version of their character, and you also got to see the sort of grand delusions of the Legion as well. Yeah. You know, I liked sort of Damien Dark sitting there with all the assorted sort of helmets and props and <laughs> costumes that he had collected, you know, his trophies. <laughs> and Felicity was a huntress for like two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bit strange. That was weird, but it was. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I, just I, I do like it, and it's like again, it's like they didn't take themselves too seriously when they were doing it. They kind of hammed it up, and I thought that was great. Yeah, um, we talked about Mick, but his his arc was probably for me the most pronounced actually because of him trying to deal with the fact that Snart wasn't alive anymore, and then you had a couple of episodes where he's been haunted by it, 
they were they were quite good, and I liked how they subverted that by having the um, him thinking he was being haunted, so he told Snart some important information, and turned, turned out, out it was real him. Yeah, <laughs> although it was him that had been plucked from a time before he'd been through all these life lessons. So um, that was quite good seeing the old school villainous Snart, you know, for a while. Um, although the bit where uh, in the ideal world, you know, where they're robbing a bank and the police don't stop them and they're kind of bored because they they miss the chase, they miss the the challenge. That was, you know, that's quite good. They just want to be criminals. Yeah, I liked when they were sitting there going, "Well, I can ask them to chase us for longer." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, oh. like, it's not the same. <laughs> yeah. And even the Mick sort of rose above uh, his relationship with Snart as well because he was always the sidekick, you know, the hot-headed sidekick. And uh, and event and in this show, he showed that he'd uh, grown beyond that and was able to go his own way. So the big moment for him was when he ignored or rejected what Snart said and went his own way. That was uh, that was really good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it showed a bit of growth and. Like I said earlier on, I think it was it was one of the best arcs. I, you know, I loved it. Yeah. What did you think of Ray this season? I mean, I thought that I liked the idea of him having to get, find his place without his suit. Um. Yeah, I liked taking a sort of defining or one of his defining factors away. You know, he he wasn't able to sort of suit up and and do it that way. So the sort of play between him and you know sort of Mick Rory. Um, you know when he gets the uh, the coal gun, <laughs> yeah, and the the two are trying to team up. You know now that he's not got his suit, you know they feel sorry for him and they try and you know team they that pair up. I kind of like that, and I'm trying to find his place again. Though I suppose the you know obviously once he gets his suit back, he's sort of back to that again. But even sort of competing a little bit with Nate, yeah. I kind of like that edge to it. I wasn't sort of enthralled with the character. He didn't get given like a massive arc this season, but I thought he was all right. You know, and I, I, I didn't hate him. I didn't uh, love him, but you know, he was there. <laughs> yeah, resolving the lack of suit thing uh, off screen during the crossover was a bit was a bit anticlimactic. Yeah, because it was kind of like, oh well, it's all resolved now. But then you, yeah. I, I kind of sat there thinking, well, why couldn't that have happened any other episode? You know, if 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 the whole problem was the fact that oh, we need to go back in time and grab a grab a suit, then they could have done that anyway. No, it was that he found the dwarf star alloy mm. in the Wild West for some reason. He wasn't expecting to find it there, but uh, I thought it would be like, yeah, it's going to take him a couple of weeks to build a new one, but then the crossover's next week, so you can't have the atom not there during the crossover. That's the thing. Mm. Um, so it was like, oh yeah, we just 3D printed this new suit, no big deal. You know, oh, well, there goes a there goes an arc for no reason. Uh, yeah. Uh, I can't think of what else they did with him the rest of the season. Um, he he tamed a dinosaur. That was cool. Yeah, he lived in uh, in the Jurassic period, or was it the Jurassic period or the, it was the Cretaceous? Cretaceous period? Uh, One of the periods. One of the periods. He was there. Yeah. Um, I, I liked that he had become a sort of nuts dinosaur hunter. Come, <laughs> you know, living in his little sort of tree fort thing. What was he called? It Gertrude. Mm. That was quite funny. Yeah. Um, other characters. There were so many characters this season, it feels like. 
Uh, Amaya, we've already touched on. Her relationship with Nate, I could have done without. I thought it was a bit rubbish. It, um, there was a bit of the, oh, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. It makes me go, oh, I don't care anymore. It was so predictable <laughs> as well. It was like, we're just having fun. Oh, one of them's going to develop feelings. And then <laughs> Any minute now. Yeah. And then you had this whole thing where it's like Amaya has to go back to her own village in time to die for it to be burned to the ground, for history to be like, to happen. And I was, I mean, I get the idea why they kept her around because she was working within the, the confines of the the team. Um, but at the same time, it's like she'll have to go back at some point, won't she? I mean, um because they can't really change that because of fixing in the future and it'll affect the other shows too much. So it's like, yeah, I understand the idea that they don't have to return her to the her time period by a certain point because they can, she can just go back at any time, as long as she's not like 80 or something. But she also mm-hmm. has to go back in time to like to be the mother to a child as well. So there's that. Because mm. she doesn't have any children at that point, so... Yeah. Who knows? Um, I think at some point they'll have to address that, but I guess their declarative statement at the end of season two was like, nah, not yet. We'll leave it for now. <laughs> uh, Jax became the engineer, which was a good place for him, I suppose. He got to fix the ship when it got damaged like all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, ca- I kind of liked that they had... You know, he sort of stepped up as chief mechanic in a way, uh, or chief, you know, like you say, chief engineer. Uh, I like that, but I just didn't think that he got much to do. I mean, because Stein had the whole um, daughter arc in there, it kind of left Jax with not much to do, because I think a lot of the time that would have been spent on that pair were spent on the sort of getting the father daughter bond thing going. Yeah, but other than that, Stein didn't have that much to do. No, no, you're right. Yeah. Uh, he was feeding into the other stuff. He was uh, studying Mick for a while, running some ba- brain scans and things. But yeah, he was had his daughter, who only appeared in a couple of episodes, really. Um, I did like it in the the Legion of Doom reality, where Jax was like a an overseer type figure and was like, and just kept um, belittling Stein. <coughs> that was quite funny. Um. What their team members are there. We already talked about Rip. Talk- Nate. Bit of a damp squib for most of it. I did like when he got his, his suit though. That he only wore once. That I can think of. Um, and he wore it during the crossover. And Mick said to him. You look like a star spangled idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Nick gets the best line. Nick. Mick gets the best Mick, lines. yeah. Oh, I did. I did like that line, and like I say, I, I think he kind of picked up towards the end. At the beginning, I was a bit like, "Oh, we've got a kind of, uh, we've got a librarian." Uh, yeah, great. <laughs> you know, instead of just talking to the computer library, um, we've now got a librarian that's sort of hanging out, and wanting to be part of the team, but isn't quite gelling. But you know, he sort of picked up towards the end. Yeah. Um. The Spear of Destiny thing was was a weird story to have as well. I think, like, I wasn't quite clear on how it worked, and I don't think they ever explained how it worked. It just rewrites reality um, to whatever, but was it... But I quite liked Sarah's reaction in that arc, because the whole idea was she didn't trust herself to take it because she would have rewritten the reality to do something. And then she just rewrote it so that the spear didn't work. That was the only change she made, and that was enough to fix everything. 
Yeah, I kind I kind of liked that she was d- doubting herself in that way because if those you know you know that she's desperate to change what happened to her sister, she's desperate to sort of to fix all that, and here she is, she's given the golden opportunity to do it. So I I kind of liked that internal conflict that was going on. It, you know, it was expected, and it, they played it quite well. They I do, yeah. I, I do think, I, I do agree with you though that the the sort of rules of the spear were very sort of fluid and never quite explained but I think it kind of plays into the rest of how the show works you know the rules of time and everything are not particularly solid either you know even from the sort of you know the final scenes of everything sort of collapsing I I don't know how the resolution of that is going to be you know it just seems that everything is now collided into one so yeah just um, yeah it's all crazy but um it should make for an entertaining third season. Yeah, definitely. You get to combine uh, dinosaurs with your space pirates. Yeah, that's it. So much fun. I'm just looking to see what other characters we might have had kicking about. Um, there was only... I think that's it for the main ones, really. Uh, unless we want to talk about Gideon. She didn't have an arc, though. Um, some of the historical guest stars, though. We could talk about some of them. Uh, we had George Lucas as a film student. No, I, I kind of like that. They got stuck in a trash compactor with George Lucas. I, I just like yeah. like that. There's a there's a fun short somewhere about George Lucas and his time at college, and they sort of drop in characters. It's I can't remember what it's called now, but I caught it once on Sci-Fi. They were playing it in between films or something to make up time, and it was a lot of fun. So go out and Google that. Uh, <laughs> Or Craig will have to have Googled that and put it in the show notes. <laughs> Tough uh, luck, Craig. You'll, you'll have to send me the link. Okay. I will, no, now I've got to do it. Um, but that was a fun little sort of short, like a 15-minute short of different characters around campus that influenced his um, Star Wars. So I, I kind of liked that they did something similar with this, sort of doing lots of little bits that all fed into the films. Yeah, they, they always really do that with historical guest stars, so to speak. Well, mm. Certainly in Doctor Who they do it all the time, you know, like... You had the David Tennant Shakespeare episode where it was just inspiring a lot of his famous lines and all that thing, sort of stuff. So they did the similar thing with George Lucas. So he was, um, oh, I did quite like it when he'd been put off making, you know, making films, and then uh, Nate and Ray lost all their like abilities because they were never inspired by Star Wars <laughs> and Indiana Jones to be the people they are. And th- that was quite a nice little touch. Although again, the rules of time travel, like, why does that change them? But they're still there. You know, how does, how does that work? Yeah, so he never got the suit, so he'd never been on the team of legends, so, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> He's not a genius, so, like, why is he there? Yeah, so the, uh, that's a bit of an issue. But, again, it was it was a nice little touch anyway. It's, it's one of those, you're not supposed to take it hugely seriously, but I think I would like them to be consistent with the rules, at least. Um, when I'm having fun with it, I have less of a problem with it, but I still do have a problem with it. Uh Whereas in Flash, I wasn't having fun and I had a problem with it. So um, maybe they'll try and fix that next season. Once they fix the timeline, they'll start thinking about it. Because you had Sarah lecturing Barry on the, the importance of changing the timeline and she's going around seducing women in the 1800s and whatever years. Mm-hmm. And, you know. um, and they're just making a mess of it all the bloody time anyway. Everywhere and every when they go, they make some form of change. <laughs> and he wasn't the, the sort of uh, first... Um, sort of science fiction styly character that came in because they meet J.R.R. Tolkien as well. <laughs> yes, he was later in the season. But yeah. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, they they didn't really do many Lord of the Rings references, actually. No, I, I thought they were a bit short on them in there. I'm sure they did You Shall Not Pass, but that was about it. Um, but yeah, they, the whole idea is they were taking about him as a as a historian and he was a soldier. So that was... Um, yeah, he wasn't inspired to write Lord of the Rings by meeting any of the characters, that's for sure. It's like, oh, I was just reading Lord of the Rings and there's a spaceship in it. <laughs> And yeah, that would be a good change. <laughs> adjusted. It's now got a time travelling spaceship. Well, there's a, there's an episode of Timeless. Uh, well, Timeless. The premise is they always change uh, anyway, and they come back to this revised timeline. So they meet um, the Ian Fleming. Uh, you know, another time travel show. It's it's tangentially related. Mm. Uh, so they meet uh, Ian Fleming, and they go through some kind of. They do their do their thing, and then they get back and. And uh, when they, they catch up uh, their superiors on what's happened, it's like, you've just described word for word the James Bond film, Weapon of Choice. It's Sean Connery's finest. And, like, <laughs> So the, Ian Fleming wrote a book based on their um, their exploits, and then it became that. So, yeah, <laughs> they could have went that route if they'd wanted to. Instead of the eagles, Gandalf gets picked up by a time-travelling spaceship. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but Tolkien was quite good. I like the way that he interacted with the team. I'd rather have him than like the Nate. I would imagine actually. That'd be quite cool. Now that we think about it, a show about time traveling people, like celebrity time, you know, celebrity celebrity historical figures. Mm. Well, maybe they'll just do that more in season three. Who knows? Maybe they're going to have Julius Caesar in season three, so <laughs> among others. But he's probably working at a carnival or something like that with, with screwed up time. They also did the uh, the moon landing, no, the Apollo thirteen episode on the moon landing, um, which was weird. Again, that was one where they significantly changed the timeline, but no one bothered about it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's it is like you say. It's one of those things that kind of lets it down a little bit as it breaks its rules frequently. Though I suppose this is what we're supposed to be seeing now in season three is that all those rules that have been broken have now caused, you know, massive repercussions. Yeah, although it was the only particular rule rule that they broke was uh duplicating themselves. That hmm. was the issue. That was the thing that broke time, wasn't it? Creating temporal duplicates of themselves. I have an agenda item here, just listed Legion of Doom. I think they deserve their own little talking point, you know. I just think they um the idea of uniting some of the the best of the other show's villains and to, to be the villains on this show is a great idea. It's just um, it gives them a new lease on life because Damien Dark was dead. Now he's back, although it's an earlier version of him. Uh, Malcolm Merlin is the post hand cut off version, and um, Thawne is the post erased version, which is surprising to me. <laughs> <laughs> The after erasure, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I thought they were one of the best bits of this. The, the when they sort of came into it and unite, I was like brilliant. Um, I just find Malcolm Merlin quite good fun. I find Damien Dark just over the top, um, bad guy, and uh, Fawn. I wasn't sure about at first, and then kind of fleshed out and was quite good fun when he became more banana skinny. I thought, um, oh, you know, this is this is actually quite good seeing the three of them, and um, you know, you've already mentioned the episode that focused on them pretty much, and I just thought that was that sort of fleshed them out, made it a lot more fun. This sly glances that they all had, 
um, uh, Malcolm and Damien's little camaraderie, sort of complaining about the boss each yeah. time they go. You know, you would catch them sort of walking into them and going, oh, I can't believe he's got us coming here again. Ah, for God's sake. You know, <laughs> just like anyone sort of complaining about what their boss has got them doing now, you know. Can't believe he's made the decision to do this. I wouldn't have done it this way. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I really liked it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like you said, the dynamic between uh, Malcolm and, and Damien was, was great. And Thorne was like, when when he started to like involve them a bit more, it was it was quite interesting. Because uh, they, they started becoming a bit more of a unit after that. And, and it's the way that, um, it's the classic thing whenever you put three main villains in a room together they all want to be in charge so you know Damien wanted to be in charge Malcolm wanted to be in charge Thorne was already in charge because he was most powerful but they were all like thinking of ways to overthrow each other which was which was great you know so it was just who was going to be left standing at the end because they couldn't possibly get along for very long that's the whole point of like when you've that's why these villains tend to be their the top of their own respective food chains because they can't Operate with people that are kind of on their level because it just there's too much of a conflict of interest there. Oh, definitely, and I I just thought that they they managed to handle that pretty well. You know, it wasn't full out warring villains, but they got close at one point. You know, they were all trying to betray each other, and it sort of explains how the legends are able to get on uh, despite the fact that they are not particularly a well oiled machine. You know, when you see that the villains aren't performing much better. Yeah, and yeah, some of the some of the lines they had, I can't remember any of them offhand, but some of them were just were just hilarious. Just uh, I, I love Neil McDonough's performance as Damien Dark. I just think he he nails that role and chews the scenery brilliantly. And Malcolm's always good fun, and uh, I kind of expected him to like betray them and go work with the legends because that's just kind of that's, that's his thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he sort of flip flops between good guy, bad guy, doesn't he? <laughs> Whatever stands to serve him well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's funny how uh, when he appears in Arrow again, he doesn't mention about all that that time he like ruled the universe. Yeah, I mean, have they been put back with knowledge that they had when they were away, or I think not? Malcolm kept his memory. Yeah. All right. Okay. I could be wrong though. I Damien can't... certainly didn't because he had to be like. Yeah, he, he, could, he couldn't know what was and, coming. Yeah. Yeah, he had to. He had to live his life and be killed, but. Malcolm, it was the contemporary version of him anyway. So, I can't remember if he kept his memory or not. I think he did. Uh, I suppose it doesn't really matter. Now that he's uh, quote-unquote dead. Spoilers for another show. Yeah, spoilers for a completely different programme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. I suppose um, I suppose that is an interesting uh, topic to chat about, actually. Does Legends of Tomorrow work as a show in its own right? Because it's made up of characters from other shows. Uh, they were all introduced in other shows, apart from Amaya, who was, she was sort of introduced in another show. Um, and uh, the villains that were fighting in this season were all villains from other shows as well. So there's all sorts of, like, when they tell you about Eobard Thon's background, it kind of assumes knowledge of the Flash. Uh, when you hear about Malcolm's background, it assumes knowledge of Arrow. Same with Damien Dark. Yeah, you know, I don't... So. I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think this season in particular would have worked without knowledge of the other shows. Um, I think the first season would have. I mean, it does roughly introduce each of the characters as, uh, you know, sort of Rip is collecting them. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I think this does assume that you need to know, oh, why, why does that person hate that person? You know, what have they got? And it is, it is spelled out a lot of the time. You know, what has, um, you know, Sarah got against Damien Dark? Why, why does she hate him so much? Well, you know, eventually it's explained, but it's kind of not there up front. Yeah. Same with the likes of, sort of Malcolm and Fawn and everything. You kind of like, oh, well, what, what's his power set? Why is he like that? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of these shows now do assume the fact that you watch everything else in order for their program to make sense. I mean, between the fact that, like, crossovers uh, for, the, for the start would just make no sense without watching some of the other shows first. As much as you get the little summary at the beginning, you know, previously on all three or four of these shows... Um, but, yeah, I, I do think they kind of assume that you're watching all, you know, you're a completionist. Well, I think with the, the crossovers, it's a different animal, because if you watch one of the shows, and then you decide to watch all the episodes in that crossover, then chances are you're going to be okay with them, you know, you're going to be okay just dealing with the fact that these characters exist and you don't need to know much more than that. Yeah. Uh, this year's crossover was slightly different because the middle episode was an Arrow episode uh, through and through, so that would have been completely baffling if you're that person that only watches Legends of Tomorrow or only watches The Flash um, or only watches Supergirl, for that matter. Mm. So it's one of those, what's going on here? Um you know, what, what, all the celebrations of Arrow as a as a TV show in a hundredth episode kind of scenario, and then it's like, but you're expecting people who don't typically watch Arrow to be watching this episode because it's part of this crossover, so it doesn't quite work. Um, the Legends of Tomorrow episode of the crossover was, you know, it was just another part of it. It wasn't the only unique thing about it as a Legends of Tomorrow thing was that all the Legends characters were in, whereas some of the sporting characters from other shows were missing. Um, so I think the other shows, they get away with you watching them on their own. You know, you could watch Arrow as a self-contained thing, and apart from random appearances by The Flash, you're probably going to be okay with it. Um, or Flash characters. Same with Flash. Felicity turns up now and again. Who's she? You know, that... that yeah, I mean, there's odd, there's odd references to other people yeah. or calling someone or I've heard from someone else, you know. Yeah. But with I think with Legends, particularly this season, if you don't watch the, at least one of the other shows, you're going to be, what, who are these people? What's going on? But Unless Legends... along for the ride. Yeah, Legends kind of is a crossover of its own, though. Yeah. I mean, I do treat it as that. It's sort of an amalgamation, because it is characters that have basically been pulled from the other shows. Yeah. All the spare parts left around from other yeah. shows. The same and it was the... I mean, that was the premise in season one. Rip pulled these people together because they weren't historically significant. So, you know, they could be killed and no one would notice. Wouldn't affect the timeline too much. Although, perversely, maybe it's because he took them out of time that they're not, like, historically significant. Who knows? Um, yeah, they're just recorded as disappearing sometime in the year, whatever, and then they're never seen again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's an interesting one. I don't know. I don't know what other people think about that. Um if you only watch Legends of Tomorrow and you're okay with it, then uh, get in touch. We'll be interested R to hear. Write your thoughts you. on a postcard and send them to Neil Before Pod, the internet. Yes. We're on the internet. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, 
so on to season three, uh, which starts very, very soon. Uh, so I've called up the wiki entry on season three and what's been kind of revealed. They've pointed out there'll be a four-way crossover with the other shows. We already know that. Um, the legends are going to be shaken up with new members on the Wave Rider. No surprises there. They've kind of done that already. So yeah, do that again. Looking forward to that. So jazzing it up again. Yeah, a new hero, not original to the show, but not from the comics and not from any other DC out of air shows, will appear. Ooh. I wonder if that's going to be some kind of historical celebrity then. It's the only thing it can be based on that. Rip Hunter will create a new organisation called the Time Bureau. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, the, yeah. Time, the Time Administration. <laughs> Damien Dark, Leonard Snart and Rip Hunter will return. Dark will be a series regular while the other two will be recurring. The version of Snart that will be a bizarro version. Okay. Um, Dark will be resurrected from his season four of Arrow death. That's a bit strange. Creepy. But I kind of like the way he plays him, so I'm almost forgiving of that. <laughs> yeah. They've, uh, they've, there's been conversations about getting Constantine in. So that's that's interesting. And there will be Damien Dark's daughter kicking about. Is it a daughter he had in season four of Arrow? I cannot remember off the top of my head. I think it was. Yeah. Is that another one that Barry's changed? <laughs> yeah. All these gender flipping that he keeps doing. Yeah. Turns out he now has twins. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Barry's uh, fertility powers. Yeah, he's actually doubled future villains. Yeah. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> oh, uh, it says that Damien Dark will lead a su- team of supernatural villains, which will include Grodd. Oh. Yes. It is like they're picking up all the spare parts. From I, the, I, do, uh, I do like that they just seem to be able to go into everyone else's toy box and go, are you using that? Nah, all right, cruel. <laughs> You've already got the CGI model made up for that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, just download it onto this flash drive, and you know, we'll we'll copy it over here, please. <laughs> yeah, suits you, suits us. It's coming out your budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's the problem with legends. Sometimes the action scenes are very kind of people. They're they're very kind of Sarah or Mick heavy most of the time, you know, because everyone else is quite expensive, whereas they're just stunts. Not that stunts aren't expensive, but they're less expensive than. Yes, then CGI shrinking suits and yeah. flying people, and uh, yeah, I imagine there's elements that they can reuse each time, but it still must be quite expensive, shot for shot. You never see, you almost never see firestorm. Mm. Almost never. Uh, there's always a reason that they can't touch each other and become firestorm. And yes, I did mean the dodgy wording. Performance anxiety. I think that's it. <laughs> Yeah, or they're separated by a piece of glass or, you know, something like that. Yeah, or they're in a huff with each other so it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, I, I like when it's flimsy like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've mentioned that in other words where it's like, yeah, we could totally beat them if only this powered person didn't have performance anxiety. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, do you have anything else to say about season two of Legends of Tomorrow? No, that's that's about it. Overall, I enjoyed it. It's not the best written thing in the world. It's not the most airtight. But do you know what? It has fun while it does it. Whereas the other shows kind of take themselves too seriously as they do it, and that's why I come down a bit harder on them. I think. You know, I'm almost forgiving because they're doing it out of a place of fun rather than seriousness. Yeah, it's it's the most fun for sure, um, and it's it's just good. It's um, it's got a good collection of characters, good cast. Uh, the episodes are entertaining as all hell. They solve the villain problem. Uh, everything else, they just yeah, it's just such a good time. Um, I'm looking forward to season three. Um, so much so that I think it start it does it starts the same day as the Flash does. Uh, I will be watching that before I go to work instead of the Flash because there's a better chance of me enjoying this. Hey, there you go. There you go. Can't get better than that. Yeah. Um. Also, uh, I have to throw this in when I'm. Um, I think when I when I was watching Arrow season two, I followed Katie Lots on Twitter. And she sent me a DM uh, saying, thanks for the follow. I tried to reply, but then I couldn't reply because she's not following me. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, come on. I thought I was thought I was in there, but apparently not. Yeah. I just thought I would share that with all our listeners. Yeah, just to make us jealous, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she said three words to me on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Without me prompting her to. Well, in internet terms, that's practically dating. Uh. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I'll, I'll tag her in some of the reviews uh, next season. I'm sure she'll ignore them. So, um, I will, I will return back to the point where I made that temporal mistake. Fix it so that you are erased from existence, <laughs> um, and then I'll get on my merry way in my ship, going to cause all sorts of mischief throughout the timeline. Oh, does that mean I'm just going to slowly fade away? Uh, I don't know how slow it'll be. All right, okay. Well, I, I, I can just, you know, I can just see myself out. I'll just slowly fade into the background and disappear. <laughs> I'll just do a, as, as I go, I'll just hold my hand aloft with a, a massive face of disappointment and go, no! <laughs> so that was our discussion on Legends of Tomorrow Season 2. Thanks to YouTuber Enstens1117 for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then please do subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. And we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. (laughs)